No, we are, we, are, we are starting a new series this morning, and, and I'm calling it How to Give. And it's going to be a short series. Now, my last series on the book of Matthew was 23 weeks. So when I say short, this one will only be 16 weeks. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's three weeks. It's three weeks. Um, but this week, we're going to talk about what it means to give biblically. Next week, we're going to talk about how to give faithfully. And then uh, part three, we're going to talk about how to give extravagantly. We're going to talk about the heart of giving. Um, but there's a story of two men who were marooned on a desert island. And one of the men was, was pacing back and forth and, and worried and scared and visibly anxious about his situation. The other man laid on his back and was sunning himself. The first man said to the second man, Aren't you afraid that we're about to die? We're here, out here by ourselves. Like, are you not getting the seriousness of this situation? No, the second man said, I'm not worried. I make $100,000 a week, and I tithe faithfully 10% of my salary to my church every single week of the year. I guarantee that my pastor will find me. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know that scripture actually talks about money more than just about any other subject. It even talks about money more than than it references the love of God. How incredible is that? Um, Listen, if we believe um, that that God values this topic, then we should value it as well. And um, I believe what what Jesus said in in the book of Matthew, that, that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. So our treasure is the greatest indicator of where our our heart should be, and that's what really God cares about, that he cares about our heart, that he wants uh, to have our heart, and so if he wants to have our heart, then he should have what we spend, our treasure as well. Now, a lot of what I'm sharing today, uh, I just want to just give this disclaimer at the beginning. Uh, I've, I've gotten this from a guy named Pastor Robert Morris, and he's down in Texas. He's probably done the most exhaustive teaching on this particular topic um, than, than anybody that I've ever heard before. He, in fact, he, he has a couple of books that he's written on this topic, a million different videos you can watch online if you'd like to. And in the past, we've even shown some of his videos of his stories and, and illustrations as part of, of a series on this particular topic. But I want you to understand something. These principles aren't just something that applies to some church down in Texas, right? These these. These principles apply to the city of Delano as well, to this church body. And so you're going to hear, as a part of this series, some stories from right within this body of believers as to how God has been faithful in uh, his provision, in in his um, faithful to his word and what he says. And so there are a few things that that I want us to understand, and we're going to teach about what God's word says, but then you're going to hear how it's proven itself in real life in, in people in this church and how God has been faithful to them as well. So uh, the first thing I want us to understand this morning is that tithing is a test. Did you know that you take a test every single time that you get paid? Um, now, um, maybe you get paid once a month. Maybe you get paid every other week or twice a month. Um, I get paid every single week. Uh, that's, that's how it works for me. But here's the test. Who are you going to thank when you get paid? Who are you going to thank when you get paid? I believe that God is testing our hearts. Now, um, 
We're going to learn about what a tithe is. And, and one of the things that you need to understand is that the word tithe literally means tenth. Okay? So it's 10%. And, and maybe you're asking the question, well, why 10%? Well, I believe that, that God established this principle so that everyone can participate regardless of your income. Um, you've probably heard me say this, this phrase a few times as we've challenged you to give to certain projects, and I stole it from my pastor, so it's not original here, but it's not equal gifts, it's equal commitment, right? And that's really what the tithe illustrates, that, that we don't all earn the same amount of money, so it's not about giving an equal amount, but it's about being equally committed together. And did you know that 10 is the number of testing. In fact, let me, let's do a little uh, Bible trivia this morning, a little quiz. How many times did God test Pharaoh's heart with plagues? You can answer out loud. Ten. Ten. Okay, good job. You guys got that one, right? How many commandments are there? Ten. Ten. You guys, okay, I don't know if you know this, but there's a pattern here. All right, those were the easy ones. They get a little bit harder, but I think if you kind of connect the dots, you can figure this out. How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Oh, you guys are not as confident on that one. <laughs> I heard a few of you that got it right, though. Good job. All right, let's try that again. I'm going to give you another chance on that one. All right. How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? How many times were Jacob's wages changed? How many times was Daniel tested? Ten. <laughs> how many times, or how many virgins were tested in Matthew chapter 25? How many days of testing were mentioned in Revelation? Come on, you guys. This is not complicated here. All right, how many disciples were there? Uh, <laughs> all right, I was just making sure that you were listening. Okay, you guys, ten is the number of testing. Only one time in Scripture... Um, uh, only time in scripture where God actually says, test me, is in this passage we're about to read right now. So if you have a Bible and you want to turn with me to Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 is where we're going to start. It's going to be on the screen as well, but you can follow along this morning. It says, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. All right, so he's making the point here. I'm not the one that's changed here. Like, if, if our relationship is going awry, it's not because I'm doing anything different here. God is saying, this is on you. All right, verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven... And pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. 
Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. All right, a few things as we look at this passage of scripture that I want us to learn, and I'm going to support it with, with other scripture as well, but the first thing that I want you to understand is that tithing is biblical, right? Now, I, I already mentioned tithe means tenth. That means 10% of your income goes into the storehouse. Now, uh, we just read that. I'm going to explain that a little bit further next week, but just so we have an understanding, the storehouse in our world today would be the church, right? It would have been the temple storehouse back in the day. Um, we have a different way of worshiping the Lord today. We have individual church bodies, so this 10% would be the church. Now, I want to ask a question this morning. Why do people not tithe, right? It's, it's pretty clear from Scripture that we're supposed to do that. But statistics tell us that about 5% of people who attend church actually tithe. Now, that was pretty shocking to me when I read that. Um, maybe even more shocking, there are 247 million U.S. citizens that identify as Christians, but about 1.5 million people out of that 247 million actually tithe. That's about little bit less than half a percent. And here's, here's another interesting statistic. 77% of tithers give more than 10%. So what that is clearly indicating is that those who have understood this principle are not afraid to give above and beyond because they've seen how it works. Now, listen, I'm not saying that you are a bad person if you don't tithe uh, I'm not saying that you're not a Christian. We're not saved by our works. Thank God for that, right? Uh, maybe you just don't understand this principle yet, or maybe that's just an area of your life that you haven't fully given the Lord control yet. And listen, we're going to talk about it this morning. This is not a message of condemnation. This is not a guilt trip. This is just simply teaching what God has instructed in his word because I want you to experience the blessing that God has laid out in scripture for us. Those promises that he's given us in Malachi chapter 3 are for our benefit, and I want you to see that and experience that. Now, tithing was absolutely part of the law, and I'll get into this a little bit more next week, but this principle of 10% actually started well before the law was ever in existence. It started with Abraham and this guy named Melchizedek hundreds of years before the law existed. This was a God-inspired idea, and later it came to be the expected practice for the entire nation. Now, we don't know a lot about this guy Melchizedek. He's only mentioned in this one particular passage of Scripture, and then later on in the New Testament, Hebrews actually tells us that Jesus himself was designated by God as a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Okay, so this is, a, this is an important guy. This is somebody that, that God is saying, listen, Jesus is a high priest in line with Melchizedek. So here's what happened in Genesis chapter 14. Um, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was a priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram, 
who became Abraham later, gave him a tenth of everything that he had. Now, you're thinking, okay, now wait, that was a one-time gift, not a regular thing. And you're right, Abraham didn't have a regular relationship with Melchizedek. Their paths intersected. And yet, after this one-time encounter, Abram gives 10% of everything that he's accumulated in his life up to this point. So that's an incredibly generous gift and, and, and an incredibly generous um, example that he set. But look at what happens two generations later. Abraham was the father of Isaac, who was the father of Jacob. And Jacob in Genesis chapter 28 had an incredible encounter with God. He had a vision of this ladder going up to heaven and, and angels were coming up and down. And in that moment, he makes God a promise. At Genesis 28, verse 22, here's what he says. And this stone, which I have set up as a pillar, all right, so he set up a, a rock that he was using as a pillow, uh, shall be God's house. And of all that you give to me, I will give a full tenth to you. So this is the point where this practice was initiated. God made a promise to Jacob through this vision that he would bless him. And Jacob, in order to honor what the Lord promised him, promises a tenth of everything that God gives to him. And maybe you're thinking at this point, well, what about what Jacob already had? Well, that's a great question. He had nothing at this point. You know, sometimes it's easier to promise God something when you have nothing to give him, right? And Jacob was literally sleeping on a rock because he was running away from his brother who wanted to kill him. He had, he had left his family. He was all on his own. He had nothing at this point. He was about to go visit his uncle Laban and beg for a job. And, and God promised him that he would bless him. Now, maybe Jacob um, struggled to believe this, but eventually he came to terms with the fact that God promised this to him. And he said, God, I want to honor what you've promised to me. I'm going to give you a tenth of everything I have at this point going forward. So Jacob eventually becomes Israel, right? His name is changed. God gives him a new name, and his descendants become the nation of Israel. And this tithing thing becomes law and a practice by the Israelite people. Now, here are some things that you need to know about tithing, and, and most of these come straight from uh, the passage in Malachi that we read earlier. Um, but we'll talk about how these things are reinforced throughout Scripture as well. The first thing is that the tithe comes first. All right, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Exodus 23, 19. The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. All right, so there's two choices in Scripture of what you can do with your tithe. You can either bring it or you can steal it. Now, that sounds harsh maybe, but that's what we just read straight from Malachi, right? That's what he says. You rob me with your tithes. Notice it says in both places to bring the tithe. It says that in Exodus. It says that in Malachi. Why is that important? Well, because we don't actually give our tithe. We bring it. 
Because if we're to say that we give our tithe, that implies that it was ours to begin with. When in reality, it's his. It's God's. Right? It's his before it's even put into our pockets. That means um, that we should bring the tithe and we should bring it first. Before you pay your electric bill, before you shop for groceries, before you donate to another cause, right? you bring the tithe. That also means that you should tithe on the gross, not on what actually gets deposited in your bank account, because the tithe is first. Um, now, this isn't a rule-following thing. It's not. Um, it, it, it really comes down to asking the question, what is your priority in life? So let's say you get paid on Friday, and you have an automatic bill payment that that pays your credit card on that same day. And you're thinking, oh no, I've messed up now. <laughs> I was supposed to bring the tithe first and my credit card got paid first. And now I've sinned against God and he's going to judge me and there's going to be a curse on my finances. Listen, that is legalism, okay? That's not the point here, right? What scripture is telling us to do is have an awareness that the tithe is spoken for before you even receive your paycheck, I remember as a kid, my parents demonstrated faithfulness in this in an incredible way. In fact, I remember seeing on our bulletin board, my mom at the beginning of the month would write out all the tithe checks and she'd pin them on the board. They were written before anything else because that was a priority to our family. Now, we weren't wealthy growing up, but that practice was established in our house and that was passed down to me as well. That money was committed before it was even received. And in our house now, we, we do things a little bit differently. We don't actually write physical checks anymore. Um, but, I mean, I get paid on, on Fridays, and, and um, I get paid a salary, and so my tithe automatically goes out on Fridays. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to do anything about it. It just, it's gone, right? It, you don't even have to, to question whether or not it happens anymore. But now we also, like Laura's a substitute teacher, and you know, we have maybe some other sources of income. And so what we do with that is as we get paid there, um, we use our text to give feature. And you just text the amount, and there it goes. You know, it's, it's easier now to be obedient than it ever has been in the history of the world. But yet fewer people are obedient than they ever have been. And it's going the wrong direction. Right? It's not hard to calculate 10%. Like even, even um, my second grader knows how to do that math, right? You just move the decimal point over one spot, right? It's simple. But less people tithe today than at any point in the church's history. And that brings us to the next one is that tithing reveals the heart. We just read in Exodus that the first and the best should be given. Now, Listen, we don't tithe grain or animals anymore, so we can't like select from our sheep and from our, from our wheat what the best is. So that, that term maybe doesn't have the same relevance that it had back then. Like We are a currency-driven society, and so the quality of the electronic transfer of our theoretical money that exists somewhere in the government really isn't relevant as it relates to the best, but it does tell us something about the heart that we should give with. Right? Our priority should be to honor the Lord. You know, there are a number of reasons that are wrong for motivating you to give as well. Um, the first one is legalism. 
Jesus said this in, in Matthew 23. He said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These you have ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Now, here's what they're doing here. They're, they're actually taking this tithing thing so literally that the, the spices that they collect from their garden in the backyard, that they're tithing on those things. And Jesus is saying, listen, I mean, that's great that you're doing that, but that's not the point, right? You're missing the heart of this. You're, you're doing this at the expense of doing the things that, that I've called you to, of loving justice and mercy and faithfulness. And he doesn't say, don't bother with that anymore. He says, no, you should do that, but don't neglect the more important matters. Don't strain out a gnat and swallow a camel, right? So legalism, if, if that's your heart behind it, and you're like, I'm just going to follow the rules, then you probably have the wrong heart there. The second thing would be for credit. Um, Matthew 6, 2 says, Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Okay, just to explain, that is a metaphor, by the way, all right? So you don't, like when you're like writing out your check, you don't have to put your left hand in your pocket or anything like that. Like, this is, this is Jesus exaggerating to make a point. Now, um, we've talked a lot um, about the way that we take our offering. And, and we made a change a while back. Um, we used to pass around a plate, um, and now we have boxes in the back, and we encourage people to give online. And, and throughout modern church history, you know, the offering was collected by, by passing something out, by passing a bucket or something like that. And there's probably two reasons why people have done that in the past. One, it's practical. It makes sense to do it that way. And two, there's a social pressure to give as well. Right? In fact, maybe you don't see it that way, but, but I can assure you that there are pastors who see it that way. I've even had a pastor tell me you should use plates instead of buckets because it's harder to fake giving with plates. <laughs> I'm being dead serious here, okay? If that's your motivation to give, keep your money, okay? Like if, if you want to make it about you, about a show so that everybody sees how generous you are, well then you might as well just hang on to it, right? Because your heart is wrong in that instance. All right, so there's legalism, there's for credit. Third wrong motivation to give is for something in return, to get something in return. Now, over the next couple of weeks, um, through scripture and through some testimonies, you're gonna see something, you're gonna see a pattern. God clearly promises in his word that he will bless those in return for being faithful in tithing and in return for their generosity. However, nowhere in scripture does it tell us that if we are faithful in tithing, that we will get rich as a result. There is a blessing that's given. Often, it is a financial blessing. God returns that like for like, but there's no promise in his word that as you give faithfully, you're going to get rich. Okay, so if that's your motivation, that's your heart behind it, you're missing the point. Scripture does promise that God will provide for our needs, and it tells us to test God in our giving. 
that we can expect a blessing in return as we give from, with the right heart, with the right motivation. But if you're giving to receive a blessing, then you're probably giving out of the wrong heart and the wrong motivation. If you're giving to be a blessing, then I believe that God will honor that. Tithe because you love God. Tithe because you want to be obedient to his word. Tithe because you want to bless others. Tithe because you love people and the church is God's plan to reach the world. And if we have that right heart, I promise you, God will honor that. Maybe with a financial blessing. In fact, I think often with a financial blessing. Maybe with a greater responsibility. You remember the parable of the talents? How God entrusted something to a servant. And, and those who were faithful with what God entrusted them with, he blessed with more responsibility. He entrusted them with more. Maybe it's a non-financial blessing at all. Maybe it has nothing to do with that, but God is going to bless your family as a result. Listen, I'll tell you, it's, it's nice to receive a financial blessing, but there are things that are of greater value in this world than money. And I'm grateful with what God has blessed me with. Now, I've shown you what Scripture has to say about this, right? It's, it's clear in God's Word that, that tithing is important. But I don't want you just to take my word for it and hear what I have to say. I want you to hear that this really matters, that this really makes a difference in people's lives. And so I've asked Luann to come and share her testimony this morning, what God has shown her as she's been faithful in, in giving. Would you just welcome her? without crying. I've been crying since he asked me to do this because it was like, okay, God, what, what do you want me to share? And he said, start at the beginning. And that's been a long time. Um, I think Julia will be 27 years old, so 26 years. Um, uh, when I first um, learned about tithing, my first thought was, how can I do this? I have such a mess. But as I took the step of faith, I saw God's faithfulness. The woman who taught me about tithing also taught me about the promises of God's word. As I tithe uh, from my mess, I'll, I'll date myself here. I wrote the verse, Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his glorious riches through Christ Jesus at the top and bottom of my check register. Some of you don't even know what a check register is, but ask your parents or your grandparents, they'll know. Um, every time I wrote a check, his promise was there to remind me that he would provide. I started tithing first on our net, then on our gross, and all along the way, God was faithful to us. There were times that $20 lasted two weeks. And then there were times that there just wasn't enough. On those occasions, I'd write the date and the amount at the back of the check register and made a vow to God that when there was extra, 
I would make sure to give back to him what was his already. Looking back on those times, I can see how my heart was right, but I hadn't learned to trust him completely. And even when my faith was in that place, he remained faithful even when I wasn't. He always provided for us, always, every single time. We had good health, our cars didn't wear out, like there's so many stories, and if you want to hear my, more of my stories, come find me afterwards. I'd be happy to share those. You see, when I first asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, one of the reasons was because my finances were a mess. I needed what he had in his hand. In my mind, I needed him to fix my finances. And I was looking for what he held in his hand. And he knew it. And he loved me. And he was faithful anyway. He took my need. He met my need. And in the process, he showed me what unconditional love and faithfulness. And he taught me how to trust him. On our journey, he took me from a woman... who was just looking at his hand to a woman who only wants his heart. It's been a journey, but he showed me in the process that he didn't just want the 10% of the money he'd already provided from me. He wanted all of me. He wanted my time, my talents, and my abilities. In taking the step of faith, to begin tithing, he took me from a materialistic woman to a woman who holds loosely to material possessions. It's been a process, but I promise you this. He has always been faithful. He will always be faithful. Isn't that good? So maybe you're asking the question, what's my next step? What do I do next? Well, if you're already tithing, congratulations. Right? You're making a good decision. If you're not, it's time to start. It's time to start. We are talking about this in our, our board meeting and a couple months ago and how to encourage people to tithe and... Um, you know, some suggested that we encourage people to start small and, and dip their toes in the water. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's challenging to just dive right in. I don't think that's necessarily wrong. And you just heard Luann's story of how God honored where she started. Uh, but uh, Alyssa, <laughs> I'm going to call her out for this because I think it's awesome. <laughs> She said, I don't know, I've always kind of thought of it as an all or nothing thing. <laughs> so I'm not going to tell you to dip your toes in the water this morning. Uh, listen, if you want to do that, uh, that's between you and the Lord, and I'm not going to try to discourage you from spiritual growth, but being a Christian is kind of a jump in the pool thing. 
right? We even baptize people by immersion here. Like, we dunk them under the water, right? Now, I'm not saying this is exactly the same thing, but when someone is struggling with sin, we don't tell them to stop sinning on the weekend first and then work to the rest of the week, right? We, we try to make that change. Repentance is a total process. So in this same way, I'm, I'm challenging you to total obedience. And we're going to talk more next week about what tithing means as part of a local church and how we do that as believers and what scripture tells us to do and how to be obedient exactly to God's word. But listen, you don't need any of that to just say, okay, God, here's what your word says. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be faithful. Listen, I want to just leave you with one question this morning. And this is a tough question. It's not an easy one. Do I trust God enough to believe that he can do more with 90% of my income than I can do with 100%. I want to let that one sit for a second. Because, frankly, the math doesn't add up there, right? Like, okay, you know, I, I understand that in principle. But, like, that is a step of faith. Here's the thing about following Christ, though. It's filled with steps of faith. This is just one of them along the journey. So I already said this once today, but we're not here to beat anyone up this morning. Listen, I don't look at your tithing records. I have no idea who in this room is tithing. Um, I, I, I just don't know. But you know, and God knows. So I want to challenge you to be faithful in this area, to be obedient, to say yes. Give it a try. That's, I mean, that's literally what Scripture's telling us to do. Test me in this. Go, go try it. I mean, is it going to hurt you that much to try it for a couple of weeks? See what God does? See how he's faithful? Listen, I, I've seen a lot in my life, but I know one thing to be true. That God is always faithful to his word. So, you know, I'll stand here and say this. Go ahead, try it. He told us to. Right? Give it a shot. See what happens. Let's give God the opportunity to prove himself right, to prove his word right. And listen, if, if God fails you, that's on him. I'm not worried about it personally, okay? My God is a big God. This is a test. So if you say yes, maybe it's time to take God up on his challenge to jump in the pool, you know, the thing about jumping in the water is it might be a little chilly at first, right? It might take some sacrifice. It might mean that, that you have to give up something that you personally like. And it might be inconvenient for you in this moment. But trusting God means trusting Him completely. That He is good. That He is faithful. That His word is true. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you that, that you even set the example of giving of your first fruits, that your firstborn, that Jesus, the firstborn of all creation, was offered as a sacrifice for our sins. Lord, what we have to give is nothing compared to that. 
that what you gave us is far greater than anything that we could offer. So, Lord, we humble ourselves in this place. Say, God, we need you and we trust you. So, Lord, out of an act of obedience, we're asking for you to move in a powerful way. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us not to be fearful, but to walk in obedience according to your word. Lord, we pray for what's given this week, Lord. We ask that you would take it and use it to build your kingdom in this community. That it wouldn't just be uh, dues at, at our membership dues at a, at a country club, Lord, but that, that this church would be a place that would make an impact in our world for your kingdom. And Lord, as we're investing in that, we're sowing seed into the kingdom of God. We're, we're seeing lives transformed as, as that seed is planted in our community. So God, help us to be faithful. Help us to trust you. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.